0: John, before I get started, is I'm gonna mention the heart of hearing Vader, which is how yeah. I, which is how I know who you are. Um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Is that weird or what? Like it's a, it's a. No, a, no, it's cool. I mean,
1: it's just, it's it's cool. It's I, cool that that's how you know who I am.
2: I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the rebel base? Down to
3: it on dantooine
2: there you see lord vader she can be reasonable continue with the operation you may fire when ready what what you're listening to the can't sell this podcast dedicated to projects past that never saw the light of day with your hosts hugh elliott and Stefan grambart
0: I took that. footage <laughs> from a movie called Star Wars. No, stop. So, <laughs> this is another episode of Can't Sell This. I'm very excited to be on the line to Los Angeles with John Friedman. And uh, I am Hugh Elliott.
2: And I am Stefan Grambart.
0: <laughs> and and John is is quietly waiting for us to say something that leads him into saying hello. <laughs>
1: Right. Still not saying I still
0: didn't say hello yet. So. No. Uh would you like to say hello, John? Hello. <laughs> nice to be here. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know where this interview is going. Into the shitter No. Uh so <laughs> So interesting happenstance, uh Stefan, uh a, a, yes. a while back, John released a video on YouTube that was called Heart of Hearing Vader and it was uh it just it made me laugh so hard. And I, I was like, i got to find out who this guy is. I, d- I went, obviously, only to the barest minimum of just f- locating him on Twitter and just started following him. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're, you're just one of the funniest people, like, just because of this one video. And then I went through his YouTube uh, channel a little bit and, and checked him out. But his tweets are very funny. John, your tweets are very funny. Thank you very much. Which is, uh, I mean, good if you're a comedian and, and the stuff you say is funny it works out for the best.
1: Yeah. That usually goes well together.
0: (laughs) Okay. Anyways. So Stefan, obviously with our podcast, we've been moving into getting away from the, you know, aspect of not being able to sell the stuff we, we work on and instead Mm -hmm. talk about the successes and, and try to get advice from people that are, are successful and, and uh, it, it came to mind to to invite John on the show. And, John, I found it really interesting when you were like, no, I'm busy pitching stuff. Uh, but <laughs> I happened to run a show called The Rejection Show for 10 years. <laughs> 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 and I honestly, I was just like, uh, that would be amazing. Because it's yeah. essentially our concept, but a decade long. And I'm just so embarrassed to have not known about it before this. Well, I, I feel yeah, like we're hard. gaining ground. I think we're catching up. Oh yeah, we're easily like seven months in, so that's a
2: big mm-hmm. deal. That's a really big deal. So I mean, I mean, oh. John, if you, if you just stop doing the rejection show for a little while, just a little bit, we'll, we'll catch up.
1: That's right. Exactly. Well, but you have I mean, it is that it was. It was a live show in New York City. So it's not like you had every opportunity to have heard of it or know
0: about it. So
1: you get you get a pass.
0: Well, getting a pass is good because, you know, as opposed to someone going like, hey, man, did you hear about the rejection show? Like, no. And then they're like, loser. So. (laughs) Oh, well,
2: everybody's heard of it. Everyone's watching it. I don't know why you don't know
0: it. (laughs) So, uh, John, would you be willing to uh, just just talk about the format of the show a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. It was a live show. Um, It was in many different venues in New York City, in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Um, It had a long run at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, I usually had four or five guests on the show, um, uh, each performing a, a different kind of rejected material. So I'd have a comedian on, I'd have a writer on, I'd obviously have multiple comedians on. Um, New Yorker cartoonists came on and showed their cartoons that didn't sell to the magazine. Uh, Monologue writers from late night shows, you know, doing the jokes that didn't make it into the monologue. You know, anything and everything that's rejected and and still funny.
3: Um,
1: So it was a variety show with four or five different guests and myself as the host. And we had a house called The Discipulators. (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice and did w- was this an invitational thing or was this people just emailing you saying hey by the way your next your next event I want to come and I want to talk about my thing
1: no this was a book
0: show I booked
1: it like any you, you book any other comedy show you know um, I would approach or reach out contact people I, I wanted to be on the show right and then i would work with them to find the most entertaining way to present or perform the the rejected material that they had so, it, it, so they, it, the it, idea it's started curated show yeah it started with you know let's put everyone's rejected material on stage but then over the years we found more creative ways to just connect entertaining fun things along the theme of failure and rejection Mm-hmm. So the show grew and developed as it as it moved along, as it went on throughout the years.
0: And so, you, did you? I, I assume if you are able to do it for ten years, like you, you had you must have had quite a following.
1: Yeah, I, as a as a show in New York City, but and especially you know venue like the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, they they they'll give you an audience also just based on their reputation. So. um Yes, the show itself had a following, but also the venues I did it in were great venues that also drew
0: people in. So the two combined made for, yeah, made for a nice long run. And did you find um, running this show, did you find that helped you in terms of like finding work?
3: Yeah,
1: I owe everything I've been able to
0: do in the industry
1: from going on stage and telling jokes, because <laughs> I, I you know, I, I, I did a couple of bringer shows when I first started um, as a, as a stand-up comedian. and very early on, somebody asked me to host one of their little new comedy variety shows. So I, I became a host uh, as a way to, to learn how to get comfortable on stage. And after hosting someone else's show, for a year or so I wanted to host my own original show and but I wanted to do something different other than just a regular comedy you know variety show and I thought on it and came long story short uh, the idea for doing rejected things came about and then yeah did the, the curiosity of, a, of what a show like that is like got people to come see it and then we kept improving on it as it went along and it built a reputation. I was able to build a reputation for myself and people wanting to come on my show, let me go do my comedy on their shows. And I met people, made contacts and that's what it's all about in the industry. And that's how it gets rolling.
2: Nice. So, um, you said that you, you came up with the concept, um, so you had the idea you wanted to host your own show. Um, do you have any uh, rejected ideas you had before you landed on the rejected show? You mean to uh, <laughs> you know
1: for what I for what I would want to do as my own?
2: Yeah, but, yeah.
1: Um, I don't think I did, and just because it was just thinking about it and thinking about right. it, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? What's
2: and, different? Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, my brother is actually a cartoonist for The New Yorker and an illustrator for The New Yorker. So he is friendly with the other cartoonists, and I became friendly with them. And 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 um, one of them named Matt Diffie, uh, he actually showed some of his rejected cartoons on, on this other regular show that I was hosting. And uh, while I was watching him do that... Um, that was the whole idea of like this could be a whole premise for a whole entire show for anyone and everyone Uh,
2: yeah totally
0: and did you run it monthly yeah say that again i said did you run it monthly yeah a monthly show oh wow and 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 it lasted it would um, be a couple of hours every every month
1: well i learned in doing it you know they always went on too long um (laughs) Not 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 too long in in the sense like audiences complained or anything, just as a comedy show producer now with with all those years of experience, um sort of leave them wanting more, so they started out longer than they ended up being, you know at right the I made them shorter, you know, like I want to end this at exactly one hour and fifteen minutes right. rather than letting it go over plus a venue like UCB is so. Back to with one show to the next one starting right after you kind of have to be disciplined right. in that way so that was a great learning experience on how to fit everything you want to do into the limited time space that you have
0: yeah wow that's uh that's very cool and 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 so the decision to, to stop doing it was just hey i've been doing this for 10 years i'm i'm kind of done i want to do something else or was it just like yeah
1: a... kind of it it for a while, it was like, oh, you're the rejection show guy, um,
3: which is yeah. great. I'm
1: not complaining about that, but I had a, I had a manager recommend, like, okay, I mean, yeah, the rejection show is great, but maybe you want to create something else now, you know, which was good advice. It was like, okay, maybe you're right. But yeah, there was some sense of burnout. Also, when I started it, I was young and fresh and new and being rejected along with all my peers. So it was me and my peers <laughs> you know coming on this show and and figuring out our way through the industry and then over the years we all started getting work and and we're we're weren't like the new the new comics on the scene so um it made a little less sense for me to be uh i i, I wasn't as friendly with the the younger crowd that that uh was the one being freshly rejected, <laughs> even though we're all You still are always rejected all the time. I have just as many rejections today as I did back then, but it was just a progression. And then I sort of um, just started doing uh, themed ones, like on Valentine's Day. I would do the rejection show, Valentine's Day, Heartbreak, Haven, and comedians would come on and only tell love-related rejection stories. Hmm. um i did one on uh, 420 about uh, things people came up with when they were high um ah, ah, so ah. It's just some themed ones to coincide with certain holidays so it wouldn't be every single month i would just target a certain you know let's, right. let's just
0: do a big event for valentine's day that sort of thing right and so you just sort of petered out and just went i'm done
1: Well, it's not really petered out. It's still like my property, and it's still something I'm interested in. And and it could, I could, you know,
3: revive it here. I could
1: be like, hey, I could get in touch with the venue and be like, I want to do a Valentine's Day show, projection show again this year. So that's always a possibility. There's still talk of it maybe becoming a podcast or even something for TV. So it's still something I
0: love
1: and um, passionate about but yes i did step away from it for a while to um, work
0: on some other things and and and, and being in la now you we, we spoke earlier and you said well you may not stay there like you you have this opportunity where you can be bi-coastal you know and it's 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 interesting to, to note that after a certain level of success in doing what you're doing the opportunities have opened up a bit
1: yeah, I think it just comes with um, building up a resume and having experience. People, you know, having experience is a valuable asset. So even just to show, like, oh, you've worked on a television show before, you've probably been in a in like a writers' room before, you've worked with other producers before. I can see right here on your resume. So that goes <laughs> along. It goes a long way. Experience. Goes a long way.
0: Well, and so all, it, every it, show it, and
1: project I work on uh, makes it easier for the next one to do.
0: Well, and it is part of that also reputation. in working with certain people, they they say, "Oh, yeah, have you worked with John?" And they're like, "No." Well, you should. That sort of thing is that is that are you finding that more often <laughs> I, than not? I think that's very most important.
3: Yeah, that
1: you have a good reputation and that you're someone that people want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that is majorly important that if you're trying to get this kind of work or you're in the beginning stages of this kind of work, um, to just keep in mind like, be somebody that people want to work with.
2: Like, it's just <laughs> that easy, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Um, well, I, what I find really interesting is that, um, the, like the whole idea of the rejected creative idea, um, there's something really primal about that. I mean, uh, you seem to have have touched on this, and I know Hugh and I have both uh, noticed that in the reaction we get when we tell people w- about our podcast, where we you know, we say, "Oh, it's called Can't Sell This. It's all about." Ideas that got you know left on the editing room floor, or rejected, or you just abandoned, and you know, to a person, everyone responds with, "Oh man, I got an idea. I got a I got a story for you. Oh, you know, oh, I have this one doozy of a story from years ago." Everyone seems to have, you know, their favorite rejection story, um, <laughs> yeah. and I find it. It's just. It's almost like they're taking up so much time on your stage because they're like, I finally got a place to put this idea and I'm going to use it. (laughs) Exactly.
1: That's exactly the appeal, um, for, uh, a talent to be on the show. Uh, -hmm. but it's also, yeah, it's the talent to come see the show. I mean, the, it's the appeal to come see the show also as an audience. Yeah. Yeah,
2: for sure.
0: Well, I think I think with, with, yeah. with Stefan and I, the experience we're having uh, now is is uh, often people don't they, they don't necessarily want to talk about the stuff they gave up on, and we you know we you know we we've discussed this uh, uh, Stefan and I that that we've embraced the things that we no longer worked on because we found a new feeling for them. We we've, we've re- been reviving some of them. They're not necessarily rejected. They're just things that we stopped working on. And because we've had a chance to, to speak with someone of a like mind or someone who has a creative, uh, take on it, who, who can riff with us, you know, we end up reviving them more often than not and, and discussing them as something that we might want to produce or something that we might want to revisit, uh, with the new, uh, perspective attached to them, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I don't think there should be such thing as fully giving up on a project if you like it. I mean, what's one thing if you realize you hate it and you're a completely different person and it no longer fits with who you are or the times, that's one thing. But Mm -hmm. if no one's giving you money for it, it doesn't mean you need to give up on it. But yeah, like I even did with my own rejection show, you could put things aside and come back to them.
3: Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah.
0: Well,
1: I mean, you know,
2: and I think that coming back to an idea after you've been able to put, you know, put it aside for a while and gain some perspective on, on, by working on other things, you come back to it with, with, I guess with fresh eyes. I mean, you know, usually that's reserved for, you know, when you work on something and you put it down for an hour or for a day, you come back to it. But, you know, if you take, take a year, take six months, whatever it is before you come back to an idea. Like, I mean, I still look up stuff that I had been working on, you know, in, in the like mid to late eighties. And I mean, they were, they're not the greatest ideas or at least, you know, what I had written back then is not what I would use today, but you know, there's something there. There's something that's salvageable, whether or not it, it lives on, on its own um, is another thing, but that's, I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not any of your um, guests, on the show have ever then turned around and said, you know what, I I know I just use this material in the rejected show, but I kind of feel like I can start incorporating it in what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, during the heyday of the show, that is a question I would get asked a lot.
2: (laughs) Um, Amazing.
1: And yeah, even for myself, because I would like to, I, I would open each show. You know, I would say like it's a monthly show and I like to open the show with uh, sharing some of my rejections since the last show happened
3: hmm. so
1: a lot of that would be um either stand-up jokes you know that were that that didn't necessarily get laughs in regular settings and stuff but i could end up doing a whole set that didn't feel right at another show and it killed in that in that environment nice. so even just like pulling one joke and you're like you know i feel like this one joke that always bombed i think i found something with it that night but well other, like new yorker cartoonists have told me they've reworked rejected cartoons after showing it on the show and resubmitted them and sold them huh, so things uh, like nice. that
0: that's great that's really great And you wonder if like part of it is the the feedback of a receptive audience that like they, they want to hear about it so they tend to be like, yeah, you know, hey, that that joke that bombed with an audience that really just wanted to laugh at, you know, something that that is ridiculously funny, or an audience that is is ready to laugh because it it may just be ridiculous, you know, and then it's like, well, yeah. I can rework this joke, I can make this joke work in a in a different oh, audience. Oh yeah, I can make it funny. I can make it funny
1: by by embracing the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. Rather than taking it too seriously, um, yeah. I mean, even the rejection show itself. Um, when I was trying to get it in certain venues, they would. It was the idea was rejected until I found a venue that eventually <laughs> wanted to do it.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Um,
1: and also, you know, there's not just one acceptance machine. There's you pitch something somewhere and they say no, but the next guy or network or venue obviously could say yes, so, mm-hmm. so something could be rejected, say by n b c and you go on a rejection show, and perform it, and it feels great, and the audience loves it um n b c isn't to say all end all right uh, so it could just restore confidence in your in your project, but the show was mostly just a have fun and look at some, some dumb things you came up with.
0: Uh, but I mean, uh, after 10 years of doing it, I mean, you know, you, I mean, halfway through there must've been decision makers showing up, right? Like your audience must've evolved with over the course of the show where there were people who may be decision makers at different networks or whatever yeah, that, that would show up yeah, because they wanted they were, to see what was rejected and be like, Hmm, you know what? That's not that bad. Yeah
1: their agents would be in the audience uh managers would be in the audience
0: networks would be in the audience uh
1: yeah all that all that would would happen
0: see i just think that's i think that's fantastic one of one of the things that we've enjoyed uh with some of our episodes with with guests particularly is the discussion where you know the the you know uh Stefan has a a friend named Dave and Dave was one of our guests and he, he was talking about a time travel story idea and it was just awesome because he just sort of, you know, I've always liked it, but I didn't know where to go with it. And we had this great conversation about something that he'd, I mean, it was like, how old was it? Stefan was like 15 years old or something. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, the impetus for the, for this idea was when he was in his twenties and now he's in it or early twenties and now he's in his, you know, mid thirties, late thirties. So he's a fully different person. And that, that to me is where a lot of these ideas have an opportunity to evolve when you are a different person. You know, you're, you don't think the same way. I don't think the same way I did when I was 20 now. So if I had a, a story from when I was 20, it's a, it's a vastly different person that had written it. You know? <laughs>
1: I agree completely.
0: Yes. And so now when you, when you look at, did you archive the, uh, the show by any chance? Like, it was this something you recorded? Or? Um,
1: I, I found, again, because I started it so early on in my experience of being someone on stage. Right. Um, that running a show, booking a show, hosting a show, uh, you know, organizing it all, just adding the layer of then getting someone to shoot it. Um, added this extra <laughs> level I wasn't ready for yet. And the couple of times I did shoot it, I was aware that I was shooting it and I felt less
0: like my comfortable self. Yeah, um, see, see, Stefan, see, this is, uh, <laughs> we, we, we've we talked about this and we've had a conversation now with a, a, a person who has equipment and he's talked about wanting to, to film and, and I, I keep thinking, I don't know if I'm, you know, I actually, I love being on stage. I mean, I I run a, a, an event, a networking event to find people work and I've I've done plenty of public speaking. And so is Stefan. We're we're very comfortable in front of live audiences. I'm, I don't know if I'm all that comfortable on camera. You know, it's a very, it's a different beast. It's something that I think, well, someone's going to see that. (laughs) Even my wife, like pointing her, her phone at me and and going like say something like oh no why you know and i always feel oh, like an, a, an idiot so it is a it's a it's a it's a funny yeah it changes it changes your perspective on the moment right it's
1: a totally different it's a different
0: experience to be performing on
1: stage or to be performing to a, a camera mm-hmm. um but i do have plenty of it you know after, over all those years i do have plenty of segments and things shot from it but you know in 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 pitching it at times for tv they'd say oh show us the video video you have from the show and i'm always reluctant to do that because i produced the rejection show for a live audience in that room right there not for you to judge as what you can flatter on tv you know what i'm saying sure yeah
0: but I mean, if you'd been offered, in, in my
1: mind, it was—I I didn't want them to judge the crude, like, video camera from the back of the room, right? Uh, yeah. When I know I th- it could be shot so much cleaner and better as a presentation for television.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And you never really saw it as this is this is my career. My career is, you know, uh, as a variety show host. You didn't you didn't see <laughs> that it just became the thing that you were doing, but it wasn't. It wasn't the thing that you did, right? Uh,
1: I didn't see myself as
0: yeah, my career as being
1: variety show host, but
3: um, <laughs>
1: re- rejection so few
0: show. of us do. No, I mean, <laughs> Carol Burnett, you know, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> did, did she say, "Go, you know what? I'm going to start this thing, and that's going to be my deal," and like, all of a sudden, she is that, you know. So I wondered. Yeah, like, there were
1: times where I. There were times where I thought
0: it could be my
1: deal.
3: Mm-hmm. uh
1: there was a a book spun off from it um so uh yeah, but it much like how uh, it was all part of being a stand up comic for me, you know much like someone you have a podcast, you're a comedian, but you have a podcast
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: comedian, but I have a show,
0: so it just goes along with being a comedian. And you have your own show, also. And having something so long-standing that that helps your career, right? I mean, that, that's the sort of thing that people look at and go, "Wow, you ran this thing for 10 years. That's, that's commitment to the craft.
1: Yeah. Right? yeah. And, but it's like just the
0: people I got
1: to know and interact with
3: and mm-hmm. work with
1: throughout all those years, um, <laughs> still paved off to this
0: day. And now I'm I'm totally blanking. Did you say when you stopped doing it for, was it recent? No.
1: Um, It's hard to say when, like, I actually stopped, like, on a monthly, because then I started trickling, you know, oh, a okay. the more holiday sure, type sure. stuff. But I think 2016 was the last time I did the Valentine's Day show.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I think I also did a 420 show <laughs> in 2016. So it's been two, two, two and a half years or so since I've
0: done one. Is is there an appetite for it in L.A. at all? I mean, there's a big stand-up community there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. If I go into a, a meeting to pitch current project, it, it always comes up. And there is still interest in it.
0: Hmm.
1: So you never know.
0: Well. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's it's a it's it's very exciting. It's very exciting to hear from someone who's I mean, who's actually in show business and it's part of the it's part of your life. It's been part of your life for you know, fifteen years or however long. And and you know, as as someone that always looks to the stage and thinks, oh, if only. But then I'm not as funny as I ever think I am. So. I think it's just fascinating to, to, to see this as it's a, it's an arc, right? Like you, you have this personal arc that not everybody has. Would you, would you, would you see what you've done as like being unique in, 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 you know, as far as like having an actual, having an actual property that was yours specifically?
1: Um, outside of the entertainment industry, yes. And maybe more so back then, but now most comedians, actors, celebrities do have their own sort of property thing.
3: Yeah. Usually
1: in the form of a podcast or a live show. Mm -hmm. So it's way more common today.
0: Well, so you're a pioneer. (gasps) Look at you. (laughs) Add that to the list. Add that to the list, pioneer. That's I. I just I think it's great. Like it. I, obviously, I don't I don't know anything about. Um, you, Stefan, you know more about, you know, stand up stuff and and improv and things like that. Is right.
2: You want to add? Uh, I mean, yeah, I I know a little bit about being on stage, but but I mean nowhere near uh, the level of having hosted show for 10 years. I mean, probably the, the closest to hosting something like that, that I've come was, um, I ran a, a, a DJ night that was like a, a, a DJ battle night that had a spaghetti Western theme, which was, that's why I asked about, you know, you know, where did you come up or were there any rejected ideas before the, the rejected idea? Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's it can be grueling, I understand when you say like you had all this stuff going on, so the thought of also adding I gotta find someone to record this on top of it. it is just like Nope, not gonna add that to the list tonight. <laughs> yeah. It was more
1: so just like I don't wanna worry about that right now. I just wanna yeah, make an exactly
3: yeah.
1: I just wanna make a fun show and I wanna have fun. So let me let me yeah. not worry about that
0: right
3: now. That
1: yeah. was my attitude towards that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's fair. You know, after I, I my next event is on the twentieth, and I I'm just like every every time I think, well, maybe I'll stream it this time, or maybe I'll do. I'm just like, man, I I just want to stand up, introduce the people that need jobs, and then sit down. You know, so I can <laughs> right. totally I can totally get behind the idea <laughs> of not complicating it any further than I need to. Yeah, yeah. but I after I learned that
1: um, that I felt different. By by trying, you know, I actually did shoot one, and I I felt different. The was, there was more pressure on me and it because oh this yeah. is the one I'm recording, so I was able to to recognize that and then be like no nah, I don't want to record it right now. So maybe you try recording one of yours and see if it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. different
3: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've only been doing it for a year. I think i got lots of time. (laughs) Yeah. I only run mine every quarter, so it's not like every three months I throw it on and go, okay, good for us. Keep going, team. Find a job. Yeah, anyways. I should say, too, it it was
1: also harder. I mean, it wasn't that long ago,
0: but over 10 years
1: ago, a lot harder to just get someone to shoot something. We didn't all have... That's we right. Have cameras in our pockets. No, oh yeah, uh, not yeah.
2: even, not even a mention like the, the the you know, advertising something like this. You know, like it's it's today. It's you know, oh, I just go on Facebook and all the other social medias and 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 put out the word. And, like I don't know about you, but I, I mean, when I was doing the data thing, I, I was literally like flyering. I was going <laughs> around with paper flyers in the middle of winter. You know. Hey, you want to yeah. you want to come see my show? You want to come yeah. come come see some DJs duke it out with cowboy hats?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was a, uh, a lot more you had to do to get attention yeah. for people to come to see your show. But,
3: but it's yeah, interesting anyone because
1: listening could anyone listening could be like, "Why don't you just shoot it? What's the big deal?" Yeah. It was a bigger deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though because I was thinking about the whole uh, promotion angle and oh you know the internet ma- has made things a lot easier and then someone who's still in the game said yeah but there's also a lot more competition and also it's just like, you know the the, the amount of money people spend or the amount of times they go out is is decreasing so it's you know goes, it, it might be easier to do the actual promotion work but that doesn't not doesn't necessarily translate into getting more people out.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah brought
2: more
1: people into the mix that are also yeah
2: yeah things. cool man
3: yeah. yeah
0: well
2: heck this has been
0: the yeah. least listen this has been the least sweary episode <laughs> I, think, I think ever like i feel like we've i think maybe i swore once and i i i've been is it is it just is it you, John? Are you making us better people? Oh, you're making us better maybe. People, John. Yeah. I didn't.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel an Gosh. opportunity where where where, where, where I swear were would have come out in any of my answers.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'll do. Like, the... maybe we should just you know twenty seconds of straight up swearing <laughs> just, just to kind of make up the,
0: for it. Now the sensors stop paying attention. Just, just yeah. start swearing. Where does
1: the swearing usually come from? People frustrated talking
0: about things they couldn't sell. No, just gen- just I, I swear. I have two kids, and I honestly like I put so much effort into not swearing in front of them that it's it just yeah. things blurt out unintentionally, and you know, it's just it's
2: one of those things. Hey, so um, yeah, and, and so, <laughs> completely off topic or not, but uh, a buddy of mine, his kid has come up with a new swear word. Uh, which which I'm using all the time now because it's not swearing, but his favorite thing is to call someone a pant leg. I don't know where that comes right. from, but I'm like, you f***ing pant leg.
0: Well, see, but you swore <laughs> to... <it. laughs> I,
2: I did that. the f*** not. Listen,
0: you can say... Like, if he's saying f***ing pant leg, then the swear is the f***, by the way.
2: Well, like, but I, it's not
0: the <laughs> pant leg. No, no.
2: Right. No. It could be. It could be deadly worse. I could call you a.
0: Okay. F- so, listen. You <laughs> don't have to make up for an episode of not swearing by just finishing up with a whole bunch of swearing. I, I felt like we were doing pretty good until just the second you. I, you ruined, just, it. I until, ruined it. I ruined it. I'm sorry. Know, I'm a pant. I'm the pant leg. I'm the pant. You pant leg this entire episode, <laughs> Stefan. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> take you to task, sir. <laughs> oh. Well, I. I unless there's unless there's something else, I, I think this has been a fun little conversation with, with yeah you know, I had a moderate amount of
2: swearing. I would love to hear about rejected show making a comeback <laughs>
3: Maybe I think you know.
2: I, I, I would I would find a way to get to New York City to come see it. especially if you did like a we're bringing back all the best. All those guys who came here with the rejected material—they've got a decade of material to
0: bring back to the stage. It'll just be called the accepted show because they're doing so well now.
2: Oh right, yeah, everyone's doing great. No one, no one's rejected <laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Well,
0: good for us. Okay, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that's it. I think it, uh, John. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, he's gone. John, are you gone?
3: Yeah. <laughs> he is... Oh
2: shit. He, we lost John.
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay. Oh no. Well, Stefan. Okay. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Stefan, that was a good show. <laughs> Do you think my swearing like drove him off? I don't know. I don't know. Oh no. Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll message him and and, and say thank you. Alright. Or I could try to add him back on. Should I try to add him back on?
2: Yeah, see if see if he'll come back. Uh, if he says no, then we'll know that something's up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you know um <laughs> hold on I'm gonna merge <laughs> Uh, so, uh, okay. John's back. <laughs> I'm
1: back. <laughs> I was giving this huge inspirational speech, and then I realized.
0: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, I was doing this. I actually went. So, uh, thanks, John. This is a great. Cu-. And then, and then I, I got quiet. And I went. Is he gone? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I finished what I was saying, and it was just totally quiet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: I didn't touch my phone. It was just one of those bizarre moments where uh, yeah. I'm going to leave that whole five minutes of weird... Hello? <laughs> hello?
2: John?
1: I think
0: it's it's fitting for what we were talking
2: about. <laughs> we t- add like, add like a, a creepy drone underneath. <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we seriously thought for a second that we'd offended you at the very end.
2: <laughs> like those... Haughty mouth canadians you know what
0: those, those time out. that pair of pant legs could just go to hell <laughs> okay. that's what
1: i thought you guys were thinking that it would be my style to just hang
0: up like, <laughs> when i was done <laughs> were you in the, <laughs> in the middle of a sentence and just like a click <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although i was
1: saying uh you were saying you would like to see it again and i said maybe you will and then i was Thing there could be some things in the works that i can't talk about
3: oh.
1: and then oh. nobody was there
3: was like, yeah
2: because because we oh gotta maybe you will <laughs> and, then, and then cbs <laughs> right. just like oh. hit, the, hit the mute button Yeah. <laughs> the john's about to give away our sequence we better uh we better cut this short cut the power to the <laughs> Phone system.
0: <laughs> He's just talking to yeah, Canadians. <laughs> listening in on oh shit. Phone. It's just let the Canadians.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let them back on. That's fine.
3: That's
0: totally fine. <laughs> They're probably high with their legal weed and their yeah. craziness. Anyways. Okay. So we're right. going to go back to saying goodbye. Um, I, I do. I do. <laughs> um, yeah. Come, if you go back to um, New York to, to, I don't know, when you come back to New York, do you think you'll be doing stand-up again? Or or do you do it regularly? Yeah,
1: I would like like to. I I would like to. It's way different doing it here in L.A. than in New York. Maybe just because I've never lived here before and it sort of feels like learning a whole new scene all over again. Mm -hmm. But the few times I did do it out here, I obviously enjoyed doing it. And I, uh, yes, I would like to do more of it again.
0: So. All right. Well, hopefully I will. we'll have to, I don't know if you keep a schedule up that says where you're performing or whatever, but we'll, we'll have to ping and say, Oh, we're coming to New York or we're going to LA. Are you still there? And you'd be like, no, f- no, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't call me again. <laughs> that was twice too many times. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. uh, yeah. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I'm Hugh Elliott, and I am Pantleg. Pantleg two, Pantleg one, Pantleg two, and we have had a great conversation with
1: and Leg, Mr. John, Mr. John Friedman. <laughs> <is my name. laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you, John have a good night everybody yeah enjoy your uh enjoy the rest of your evening bye okay bye this episode of can't sell this was produced in toronto ontario canada all creative content contained in this episode is copyright Stefan grambart and hugh elliott intro voice by jeff wright intro music track is energy by not of from their 2015 album peak Questions or comments can be sent to admin at cantsellthispodcast.com. Any other information can be found at can't